0: And now, Kyle and Steven present
1: another episode of the Go Yourself Podcast.
2: Um, it's Fix.
1: Really? Well, that's embarrassing. The Go Fix Yourself Podcast. Adam Leg, welcome to the Go
2: Fix Yourself podcast. Hello, friends. Thank you. Very nice. Wow. I Thank know. you. We, and then we that's usually, the first time I've ever done that. Actually,
0: I know. Usually we that's have the pads going, three pads, but sometimes <laughs> the, the pads get us in trouble. Sometimes <laughs>
1: Adam, Le- I know. Yeah, sometimes, wow. sometimes, and we talk about this all the time. I actually, whenever, I know. Every whenever, podcast starts with <laughs> I press
0: the right button. Thank
1: God. Yeah. Whenever I, uh, yeah, sometimes I don't even have them recording, and sometimes I push the wrong button, and so. Sometimes I lately I've been straying away from those. Um, anyway, let's uh, we got off track, but hey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we're so, we're so excited that you're here, man. So thank you for coming on.
2: Oh, Of course, I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Super excited. Uh, been listening to the podcast for a while, so it's cool to be uh, on this side of it. Yeah, uh, and you're wearing uh, oh, the, I gotta the say, the greatest sweater vintage.
1: Yeah. yeah, uh, I I think I saw actually the the sweatshirt on eBay going for about six to seven figures. Cents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, no, so, ladies and gentlemen, he's wearing a Cut and Caliber sweatshirt, which we, I think we only did, had like three mates. It was like the two of us and you. Yeah, I'm the I'm an honorary owner. Yeah. yeah. For owning uh, this. And then, for those that don't know, Cut and Caliber was our grooming line that we've talked about here before that me and Kyle owned. Um, and so, We had a beard oil and we actually used your beard for um, a social media post. And this is the kind of the connection where us and you come into is like we fell in love with one of your nonprofits that you are executive director of. See, you yeah, yeah. nailed it. Uh, Vice president of the, uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. you know, Supreme so. Commander of the um, Allied Forces. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So for like a week, I think is what we did is like, hey, all 10% or something like that of our sales this week goes to Priceless Alaska. Yeah. Um, and so that, I think that's kind of where we started. Like maybe, I mean, before that, because when we can get into it, mm-hmm. um but yeah, we used your face. Your face was the face. Yeah. Because you, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, I'm looking at a great beard right now. <laughs> a real great beard. It's one of
2: the few things I do really well. Growing beards, and it's
1: got you got the pepper, like the peppery look going right
2: now, the gray, like the the wolf. Yep,
1: you know, the salt and pepper is what the ladies love. I'm (laughs) learning that I've been trying to gray my beard, yeah,
0: actually. (laughs) Excellent, Uh, Excellent. yeah. So, I don't know how to do it besides being a parent, is doing it naturally very quickly, but uh, I'm gonna go for it. So, usually, we start the podcast off with kind of Mrs. Cornfield is one of our
2: our I biggest. Lo- listeners. I love how this has become. This a is thing. the thing. Oh yeah, I, I expected it just when yes. I came in. Just so you know,
0: and so you know, she's listening across the country. She she just
1: doesn't know a lot of our friends you know, on a personal. I should level. add too. My dad listens to every episode too. So, popcorn? Yeah, old popcorn. Oh, yeah, popcorn. Uh, that's yeah. that's that's his grandpa yep. name. Love so it. it's, it's my a good mom. One. Name, I love that one. <laughs> my mom. We could do it. My mom's name is Cece right? For Carol Cornfield. And then my dad's name is Popcorn. So it's Cece and Popcorn. Wow. So geez. tell
2: Cece and Popcorn who you are.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Uh, I'm actually more nervous to talk to Cece and Popcorn than the yeah. two of you, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would be too. They're very judgmental. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So just a little bit of my backstory. I was born in Connecticut um, and moved to Alaska when I was three years old. My family moved us to Trapper Creek, Alaska. Mm. Um, they owned the Cash Creek Lodge out there. It was one of those back in the 80s, like roadside Alaska kind of roadhouses, mm. you know, it was yeah. before all of the tourism lodges and stuff were here. And it was a restaurant bar, a little motel. And so grew up out there in Trapper Creek. And it was where I uh, was where I got to be a little boy. We had, I mean, we had a, a dog team. Oh, you know, it was like man. that. It was that sort of picturesque Alaska upbringing. Oh, wow. Out there. and I so feel that, like a fraud. <laughs> like i didn't do anything cool. you can't like, grow heard. a good yeah. beard yeah. you don't even have a dog you don't team. have a dog yeah. team
1: what the hell are you doing with your life Jeez. dude continue yeah.
2: but it's like that was where i grew up out there and so that was yeah. the alaska that i knew that's like yeah. three hours yeah exactly north. yep so if you're heading to denali it's kind of right there on the yeah. road um and sort of the last little town before you uh kind of get into the nothingness sort of right yeah and so uh, grew up out there until i was about seven parents split up and then we moved to anchorage and so this is where i was raised went to you know roaming west okay uh worked in the hotel industry for about 15 years wow uh what was on, hotels did you um okay. so i worked for, on the hotel management side so i worked for like a hotel management company so we had um kind of like portfolios of hotels around the state rather than like one specific oh, gotcha, one
1: gotcha 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 uh, oh so you were like Big, which big corporate.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. Big corporate hotel. And so I loved that. Like that was my favorite because, um, it's like everybody you deal with is coming to Alaska, right? right? It's like bucket list trips kind of thing. And, and I loved that. And I actually thought that that was going to be the industry that I would probably like retire from. Uh, I left that to go on staff at a church for seven years. And then I left that to lead the nonprofit that I currently lead. So that's brings me to current. That's where I am today.
1: Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm, there's a lot of things out there cause totally. like living in Trapper Creek yes. also is like, so I moved from New York and when I say New York, upstate New York, mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, New York city. It's like, no, I wasn't that cool. Well, sort of. Yeah. I, <laughs> I did like when I first moved yeah. up here, I let, I just let people believe that. Yeah. Brooklyn. Like, definitely. I was like, sure. Yeah. You know, it just like made me feel cooler. I guess it was my, uh, insecurity as a child. But, um, Trapper Creek is, Like so, I moved up here, and it was like I'm in Victory, and there's nothing. Yep. And so it's Trapper Creek, in my head is even less of what I moved to. Yeah. There's like, I mean, how? What's the population out there? I mean,
2: it's got to be 300 ish. Yeah. So
1: it's very small. Totally near Talkeetna, which is also very small. But, I mean, that's, like, the community that you were in, right? Yeah.
2: In fact, our house that we lived in was all the way at the end of Petersville Road. Um, we're the last house before, the like, the river. And so in the winter, when the river would freeze, we would hook up the dog team and just go across the river to Talkina. Wow. rather than, like, drive all the way around up to, like, Sunshine and the Y.
1: Oh, wow. So you were, like, on the other side. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so
2: we were, like, right—I mean, we were— I don't know, 20 minutes from Talkeetna across the river with dogs. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And it was, uh, a lot of people go to Trapper Creek for like snow machining in the winter. Right. Um, But there's also a lot of people that were there because they wanted to be, you know, off grid, have their space kind of thing.
1: I would imagine uh, that is the epitome of like hermits. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, right. Hermits, like people that just don't want to talk to the world and just off the
2: grid. Yeah. That's where I would move to. Even like the lodge though that my parents ran, that was kind of the, it was sort of like the community center because there's not a lot of place for the community to gather, Mm -hmm. but you could come to the lodge and there was a bar there, there was a restaurant. And so it was like the one place where people would like come to and gather, at least back in the eighties in Trapper Creek. I don't know what it's like now, but
0: yeah. Yeah. do you remember any characters from uh, around there? Yeah, I, I, there had to be some if that was the bar. Oh, that oh Crazy a- Joe. Yeah. yeah. Well, you
2: know? so um, it's so funny you mentioned that. I was, now keep in mind, I was between three and seven years old. Right, like somewhere. So there was a guy named Art Porterfield who actually taught me to play poker. And I remember his nickname was Art the Fart. And that's what every in town called him was like Art the Fart Porterfield. And like he taught me to play. I get that nickname. Yeah, yeah, only a couple of guesses needed. Um, But it's like he taught me to play poker. Like as a little kid, we'd sit at the bar and then we'd sit at the table in front of the window and he would just like, teach little me how to play and yeah, it's like yeah. the rest of my life i'll remember Art porterfield <laughs> art the fart art yeah. the fart yeah god
1: can you imagine like the first guy who was like oh art the fart and yeah. he's like i hope this doesn't catch this on better not i stick. hope this doesn't <laughs> yeah. catch on here we are on a podcast <laughs> yeah, like 30 20, years yeah. later yeah <laughs> old art the fart <laughs> yeah
0: Well now uh what, so he's teaching you poker at a yeah. table W- was he playing against you,
2: taking your money? No, <laughs> not thinking, yeah. Little Adam's gonna need a couple more bucks over here. Yeah,
0: yeah. he's a loser.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was playing for my family's lodge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he took the lodge. Yeah, so, so that, no wonder. Yeah, you had to move out of it and go right. back to J. Yeah, 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 we were run out of town because my gambling debt to Art <laughs> <our laughs> Porterfield. Seven years old. <laughs> Adam's good.
1: He's in the he's in the black. Exactly. Okay. Uh. Wow. So that, that's Trapper Creek because yeah. I feel like um that world out there. I love like Talkeetna mm. and that world and like the people. out out there, but I haven't experienced it as much as like just besides like uh, being like a little tourist sure. in your own state, right? And then so when I go there, I'm always like, I wonder what it's like. And so I did, I did go out there on the off season, and we shot a TV show there, and like I loved just the quiet, oh still, yeah. and it was like fall, and it was just perfect, and no one was out there, and I was just like, and it was also like too quiet, right? I'd be was outside. It the winter? No, it was right before, so it was like hmm. probably it was like it was fall and like all the leaves were falling so we were probably like 2 weeks away from snow or something like that you know something crazy um but it wasn't that far off so it was cold outside and i just remember like walking outside and just being like there's no like quiet like there's nothing there's no. no dog barking in the distance all I can hear is there's something in the freaking forest next. You know, I was like, then your mind makes up stuff. Yeah. And so it's just quiet. No help's coming for
0: you either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zero.
1: Yeah. Zero chance. I do. So I'm like fascinated with that area out there just because I'm like, you know, who? when you live out like in the middle of nowhere, it's like, what compels you to live out in the middle of nowhere besides like, I came here for a you know, summer job or whatever,
2: you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that was one of the things that I, like looking back on it, I wish I was older enough to remember the stories of the other people that were out there Mm -hmm. because I just feel like every family had a unique reason for being there. You know what I mean? It's like some were just trying to get away from something. Some were trying to like go there to find something. Yeah, And it was like everybody had their story on why you'd move to such a remote and isolated place. Yeah, Um, But it's funny, the stillness, like I remember that as a kid because there's no, no I mean, there's no road noise. There's no industrial noise. There's nothing. And so you stand out there and- the only thing you hear is like the noise that nature would make. And so it's wind, it's whatever. It's 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 almost unsettling yes, in a way. Yes, I agree. I just remember like
1: the, that week that we were filming out there, I just remember like, you know, getting home super late and then like I had to drive to my like Airbnb, which was farther than everybody else's. And uh, I just remember like getting out and I'm like, it's so dark out here. And it's so quiet. And then just standing there and just hearing the leaves rustle. And then then I would, I literally, I would hear like something rustling in the forest next to me. I'm like,
3: okay, it's yep, time to go yeah. inside. Yep. inside. And
1: yeah. it's worse during the winter too, because I, I totally. think it's
0: the, the snow is insulating. And so for some reason it's more quiet during yeah, the wintertime. And yeah, it is, it's a weird phenomenon when you're, because we're yeah. so used to just like buzzing and just even just like sitting in a room, there's some sort of sound going yeah. on. Yep. Uh, I've I've been interested in the the dog sled aspect. Of yeah. It. So, who was the m- main musher in the family?
2: Um. So my dad was the Art, one who. Yeah. Art, Art, <laughs> Art taught me how to do that. I lost too. my dog team to Art Porterfield. <laughs> yeah. As a seven-year-old kid. <laughs> that's the name um, of this podcast. Right. I got you back, oh, hard. Take that, Art. <laughs> yeah. Um. My dad was the one who kind of started mushing. Mm-hmm. Um. We the lodge we owned had a a dog race called the Cash Creek Classic, which back mm-hmm. in the day was you know, there's races all over the state. Right. Yeah. Um, and this was one of the bigger ones cause there's a lot of Iditarod mushers who live in that part of the state. Yeah. And so we would have like well-known names that would come and run the, run the race. And so even after my parents split up, my dad was the main handler for an Iditarod rusher named Dewey Halverson who Dewey was like a big Iditarod name back in the day with like the, the Susan butcher kind of years. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was the community. I do remember, um, the one race I ever did, um, and it was, like, a one-dog race. And so when you're younger, that's all they will give you is, like, right, one sure. dog, right? And so we hook it up, and kind of the, the flag goes, and it's this little sprint. And my dog just lays down, like, literally, like, lays right down. And I'm mm-hmm. standing there, and what a, you know, I don't know what to do. And come to find out, like, the dog was pregnant, and oh. we didn't know that. And <laughs> the dog was like, I'm not running. Yeah. And so it's like, well, I guess I lose. You're like, like Iron
1: I'm, Will over here,
2: like, yeah. come on, dude, no, and so, like, my one dog race, like, I never even made it past the starting line, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, I'm not the biggest success. Oh, yeah. yeah. man. Yeah,
1: but you didn't lose if you never started. I guess know? that's a good I point. Guess, yeah, something like that. Did you guys, so, I mean, I guess you, you already mentioned that you used it for travel, mm-hmm. but did you use it primarily, like, the dog sled for travel, for the racing, or really- like, just... Hey, do you want to go out back and ride my dog sled for 20 bucks? That doesn't sound right, but (laughs) but I'm serious. There's a dog sled out back. I swear. We got art back here. (laughs) Welcome to Shepherd Creek. (laughs) Um,
2: You know what's crazy is like there was no good reason for us to have a dog team. Like thinking back on it, it was just the kind of thing. I, I really do think that most people in that area had them. And I imagine, I've never asked my dad this or my mom this, I imagine that they just kind of like had an opportunity to get a bunch of dogs and said yes. Yeah. Um, You know, it's not like we raced a bunch. It's not like we, I mean, we used them for transportation to Talkeetna sometimes, but that wasn't, we didn't have to. Right. It was just like we had a team for a while and that was it. What do you do with a dog sled when you when you like took it to and what do you do with the dog sled? Do you like tie it up yep. like a horse like outside? Yeah, exactly. We tie it up, put like an ice hook in the in the ground, just kind of oh. basically secure it and then like, See you. put it. Yeah. Out, put out some food or something. Yeah. I mean, and you know, at least back then, like nobody stole our dog team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Where do you go? Like,
1: hey, all right, that looks like yeah. my <laughs> dog that <Yeah>. I lost <laughs> last night.
2: Uh,
0: was it uh, so how long did you have e- e- for three to seven essentially, right? For, yeah. And I think we probably only had the dogs for a couple of years. in there. Yeah, I don't okay. think, I don't
2: think we had them the whole time. At least not that I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably a couple of years in there. I just always uh,
0: watch the Iditarod and all those things. And I just, part of me, you always, always watch the Iditarod? Like Year-round? I check the, yes, I, I'm, I have a Facebook group for the, no, uh, I have this weird connection to the, the Iditarod that I don't, I'm just going to tell really quick. When we were in like in second grade at school, we had a like a competition, and you got to pick your musher. And no, none of us know any of the mushers. We're just picking them because our teacher gave us like a hundred extra credit points or something, <laughs> right? And I'm the last one to pick, and I get stuck with this guy named Jeff King. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, uh, who's this loser?
1: <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> And so
0: he ends up winning and I'm like, thank God he's my favorite musher. And so I would go for him every year. I was like Uh Jeff, he's just my guy. My guy. Uh, Uh And so I just have always been fascinated by this like Pick a musher and then see yep. how they finish, it. and you follow the the little routes on the yeah. newspaper. Uh-huh. Was my favorite thing ever. I don't know. I was I was a loser. Do you still do it? Um I haven't because I don't have newspapers anymore. <laughs> well, That's but my, I mean, there's still there's a thing yeah, online, called internet. the thing tra- online. Well, right, and I I check occasionally to see who's who's coming in. Okay, but not as much as I did when I was a kid, but yeah. I'm just always looking at the dogs, and then you read about like the stuff that happens out on the trail and like, like, losing dogs and stuff like yep. that. And I'm like. That's heartbreaking to me, like having to like lose this thing that is probably like a family member in a way. Totally. And then a lot of people are looking at it like it's, you know, abuse and all these things. And I'm always torn because I've never been in that world. Mm -hmm. But um, I just wondered, like as a kid, you know, you probably grew attached to these dogs. Totally, Uh, yeah. I mean, and And then if they get hurt or something, it's like, what can you...
2: Yeah, and I remember, so the dogs that we had, like I just remember they were part of the family. I know that sounds crazy, but like, you know, they were just kind of ours, mm-hmm. right? They weren't, mm-hmm. they weren't animals there. They weren't like athletes that stayed out in the kennel or animals that stayed in the kennel. Like they were just kind of part of the family. Gotcha. But then I even remember when my dad went to be the handler for Dewey Halverson after my parents split up, I think Dewey had like a hundred plus dogs in his right. kennel, like big kennel. And I remember even watching the care that that many dogs got, that it was like, even as a little kid, it was impressive to me that they were so well taken care of.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, and so that's always stood out to me in my mind. And again, I, I still love the Iditarod, still follow the race. Right. Um. But yeah. Yeah, I feel like
0: at the end of the day, you, you got to take care of the things that are you're trying to race to win. Of like, course. Yeah, I mean, like the yep. idea that it's...
2: And I'm sure that like with anything, are there people out there oh, who... Oh, sure. Yeah. I was like, yes, of course. Yeah. Um. But it's like, that wasn't our experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Trepper Creek I, sounds like... Uh, it, we so, need to go out there
0: and mush some dogs. Yes. That's a good video. And, right and record there. it. Yeah. yeah you okay. think Art's still there? Uh,
2: well, <laughs> it's, it's funny. Play some poker with Art. <laughs> yeah. It's actually funny you mentioned that. So, this last year, my wife and I went up to Denali for a weekend, and on the way back, we stopped into one of the local businesses in Trapper Creek. And owned by an old guy who'd been there for a long time. And I asked him, I was like, hey, I have a question. Like, is Art Porterfield still around? And he told me no. Art passed away a little while ago. Oh. Um, and I know it's like the podcast just took a real turn. It's like <laughs> right now everybody's sad about Art. But it's like, but it was so funny because when I asked the guy about Art Porterfield, the guy who I asked was like, ah, oh, Art the Fart. Like he remembered that name. <laughs> oh my gosh. That methane yeah But like my wife didn't, she was with me and she didn't know the story. And so she, we got in the car and she's like, what? Who is Art the Fart? <laughs> like, so then I have to like, tell her the whole story about me playing poker at seven. And oh, yeah. oh man, I
1: love that. The, the, the outlaw
0: days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the outlaw that's days. That's right.
1: Um, okay. So, um, Trapper Creek. So that was, that was your childhood. Yeah. You know, we we took care of that. We're on to the next thing. So mm-hmm. you moved to Anchorage. You go to West. I do. I can sing the fight song, but we don't need to. I see, you know, that's the thing too. I didn't go to high school up here at all. Oh, I okay. mean, I was homeschooled. Oh, right. right. Um, I'm one of those nerds. Uh, That checks out. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: What's what's that school song? (laughs) A fight song Uh, where you guys
1: (laughs)
0: fought, like Fight Club.
1: (laughs) 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 I I did miss out on a lot. (laughs) to <laughs> be honest. I was like, I think for the first time I heard like what a fight song, that's yeah. like what I yeah. thought. Like, like I you guys fight to this stuff? It's like when I was a kid, I heard um, you know, grounding. Oh, like don't, you know, be oh, careful, sure. you're gonna get grounded. And like I literally thought, like as a child, like people will pur- pray into the ground. Yes. <laughs> I did. So it's like when I heard fight song for the first time, I was like,
2: Oh, high school sounds oh, amazing. Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> yeah. So I never went to public school. So we went to West. Yeah. Um you're up here, you know, and then now you're,
2: you're, you stay here. I stay here. This is home the whole time. Yeah. Stay here the whole time.
1: Um, and so
2: you went to college? No, I actually, you know, like dropped out of high school. I was, I, I hated school. You dropped out of high school? Dropped out of high school. Hated school. Um, it was never, I never felt, I don't know. I never felt like I fit in in the learning aspect of it. I just Mm. genuinely didn't get it. It was almost like the the way they taught wasn't how I learned. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. I mean, I think that's a big thing. Yeah. And so I was just like like, ADD. Yes, undiagnosed, but it's like me too. It's like for sure, hundred percent. Yeah. And so, uh, and so I dropped out. um, I think like senior, early senior year. And your
1: parents let you do that?
2: Parents let me do that. Um, I will say, I think that my mom always knew that. Like I had a good head on my shoulders and I wasn't dropping out for stupid reasons. Like I wanted to go to work. I knew I wasn't going to college. That was the thing. It's so, like college yeah. was never on my radar. And I was like, I just kind of want to start working. Like it's almost like
3: mm-hmm.
2: this season of life isn't like I'm ready to be done with that. And so let's start working. And so I did. So I like got a job and started working. And that was actually in the hotel industry, which is crazy because like I ended up running portfolios of hotels. It sounds you know, like a pretty like, good job. Yeah, it was a great for someone job. someone who dropped out of high school. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was great. And so that's, that's like what I did. And it, I don't know, it worked out. When did you drop out? I think early in my senior year. I don't remember. Maybe it was end of junior year, early senior year. Somewhere in that
0: So what was it like? So you're in high school. And high school, in in my opinion, is, it's not difficult stuff Uh per se, right? Totally. But it does require you to do things that you see very little value in. Yep. And that is like the. That's the problem. That's right. A problem and then because I'm struggling with this too, because I'm I'm about to have a high schooler here mm-hmm. soon. And um and he says this all the time It's like, school is I'm not learning about stuff that I care about, so why should I go? And I'm like, Great question. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. and so yeah. I try to explain to him that life isn't always about doing stuff that you enjoy. Sometimes you have to grind through stuff that's unfortunately yeah. necessary. Yep and i'm like i don't know if that's a good answer but you
3: yeah, know i'm going yeah. for it but
0: so it's yeah. it's surprising that you had a parent that was kind of like cuz i feel like most parents are like my kid has to at least graduate high school right. like that's kind of a little social badge yeah I had a little support system yeah. i feel like and then yeah, it's like totally. right the
1: workforce and cuz the only the only way i my ADD brain my like i don't want to do this brain Past high school, and you know, I was home. I was homeschooled for. And
2: that's how, <laughs> that's, <laughs> mostly, mom. Mostly I need the answers. Mostly for
1: the last two years. <laughs> no, and I, I've talked about it on here before. So, mom, this is not nothing new. But I cheated. Like she would be out doing errands, <laughs> yeah. And we lived an hour away from the nearest grocery store. So she, and then so like that is the only reason I was able to like graduate. Oh, yeah. Stephen, you did eleventh grade on your lunch break. Wow. <laughs> Pretty good Not bad You Seriously. are a genius No Not so bad. I mean like I, I think that's kind of cool That you were able to like you Make that decision At such a young age And to be like This isn't for me Like I'm okay with yeah. that And then like actually Get a good job Right After that too Which in my head It's like I didn't go to like Real college I didn't go to like You know I didn't get a, a Bachelor's he degree You went to home college <laughs> <laughs> I finished that in two weekends. I went to freaking, I went to to Christian (laughs) music school. Um, and so that's why I, for people are listening. I did air quotes because I, I don't really consider that college, um, where I didn't learn like math or creative writing or anything. That was just like strictly like become a rock star. Yeah. Christian. Christian yeah, rock star a lot of money there uh yeah, yeah. uh anyway so basically yeah so it was kind of it's kind of cool that you know you had that little support from your mom to be able to do that well, kind yeah. of a big
2: huge life change oh yeah and I mean to be honest with you like do I I'm sure she wishes I would have still stuck it out yeah mm-hmm. um you know, she had it her way, but at the same time, like we, I do remember us talking about it and I just remember it for who I was at that time for where I was at and for where I think I knew that I wanted to go. It just didn't make sense for me to just finish this when I could just move on to the thing I wanted to be doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not like I wanted to just do nothing. It's like, mom, i to be doing school so I can like sleep in all day. You know, it's like, I was kind of like, I'm ready to get on with this next part of life. And to do that, I have to move on from the part that I was in. Yeah. Did you have the the foresight
0: at the time at all uh, essentially thinking that like if I don't graduate the road career roads going to yeah. be tougher? Did I, you have that kind of in your mind Yeah, or? I knew
2: that I would have to work harder, but I knew that. So I was, you know, when my parents split up uh, when I was 7 in Trapper Creek. Um still great relationship with both of them uh, mm-hmm. and they actually have a great relationship with each other. So it's not like I had to fight That's between cool. divorced parents. Um but largely I was with my mom mostly. And so when you're being raised by a single mom, I think you just watch her hustle to make things happen. And so in some ways I knew that I would have to work harder if I chose this path, Mm -hmm. but I had seen my mom do that like my whole life. And so I was okay with that. You know what I mean? It was in some ways it was like, okay, like I knew it was possible. I saw her do it. And so that's just what I was going to do. Um, and no doubt, like if I had my degree in like hospitality, hotel, motel management, would that have been helpful? Sure. Um, but it's like at the end, you know, the people that I were hiring had those degrees yeah. and I dropped out, you know yeah. what I mean? And so it's like, I've just kind of always, I've never let that be a hindrance. Like that's the one thing that I control is that I'm not going to let that be my excuse that I, I don't that. have that. I love that.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is a substitute for people paper and degrees and all that stuff and generally it is always hard work because you're not, there's nothing magical you're learning in high school. That's going to help you with your career. Yeah, And there's, I would argue in college, there's hardly anything that you're going to learn that magically sets you up. I mean, you may get some idea of what you want to do and then your master's is essentially just a big networking thing. Right, You're not learning a secret there that, you know, you can't find on the internet. So my my thoughts on education of kind of like Shifted after going through, and I'm like, man, did I waste four years going to college? Yeah. No, yeah, but it was yeah. a great experience. But I, I'm not. It wasn't necessary.
2: Right. Yeah, and I think and, that I think that's Kyle. it's so important. And I think that that's one of the things that doesn't the conversation that doesn't happen enough is like, what is the right path for for you? It's like I have friends who are who are still like working their way through college, master's degrees, and stuff. And I love that. I support that. And I think that's like the right journey for them Mm -hmm. right but it's like there's also a place for things like trade schools right Right. for for people who are like pursuing a passion in arts and that kind of stuff where it's like maybe this isn't as necessary and so yeah i think that i think that it's like you know what is what is the right journey for the individual and what they're wanting to accomplish and do in life
0: yeah trade school is something that i think is really cool that that's become something that's been more um acceptable totally. to like so many people they're like oh you want to make great money yep. go to a trade school yep. D- don't waste your time on this or degree and it's I don't know just the whole education system is is kind of weird in my yeah. head because mm-hmm. it's not for everybody yep. and I, yep. I I never pictured myself saying that about five years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought yeah. everybody had to do it
1: a certain way so I'm I'm curious too and, and actually I was just thinking too there's a lot of there's a lot of things about you that we didn't touch on in the beginning yeah uh, and i think that's exciting so <laughs> yeah. stay tuned everybody oh my god i'm excited <laughs> um, but um so y- you know you're in the hotel industry for 15 years how do yeah. you make that like career jump to nonprofits to not only like yeah i mean you were yeah and it, you were so your career uh in, in the hotel industry then you were at the church yep. and then like was that you know i would imagine that might have been a little bit more like Easier to take from the church viewpoint. Sure. Um. Let's talk about the church. Actually, yeah. Was that change point? It was change point. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. I because I think that's my earliest memory of you. Yeah, probably. So I think um because we when I put on Infinity Fest. Oh yes, that's right. We did a video and we were very fortunate enough that the head of the uh, like Lee, mm-hmm. I think the music um, yep. guy, and I think Carl. And Dan, I think they they watched this silly little video that twenty one or twenty no, it was freshly twenty one year old Steven made wow. in his bedroom with his brother, and like <laughs> that's God, Jesus, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> fuck guys, wow. I'm sorry, yeah. yeah, I did not. No, we we filmed this little video anyway. Uh, for it was a promo for the Infinity Festival. And it was a silly little idea, but where they were like. You know, you guys can actually put it up on the screen for all of our services, uh-huh. which was really, really cool. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is huge for us." You were the like tech guy, probably maybe just after that. I was certainly there. You at were the time. well, you helped us because yeah. you were like, yep. "I do remember this." Being like, you were asking me questions like, "Cause I had no idea." And yeah. You were like, "Well, is this 1080 or something like that?" I'm like. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I don't like, I Which don't remember. Yeah. I
1: just was like, cause you were like, okay, well let me see if I can rip it from the, you know, yeah. the, your link that you sent us. And so it was like, you had to go through all these back, you know, channels and to get the video oh. to actually play at like a high resolution uh-huh. because we didn't know what we were doing. And anyway, that was, that's my earliest memory of you uh, at change point helping us in the booth.
2: Yeah. And that's um, kind of where like my background, again, corporate marketing, in the hotel industry, and the reason I left that is a good friend of mine had the communications job at Changepoint. And when she was leaving, she asked if I would, well, she said she thought I should take that job. And I was like, thank you. Absolutely not. Um, mm-hmm. Like, no, like 0.00% interest. Did you, at the hotel um, job, did you have like communication?
1: Like- um I, so experience.
2: I, I started doing like, well, when I first started, it was just like throwing bags for tour groups, like as a kid. And then it's like, you work up to doing front desk and then you're like maybe front desk manager and then like assistant manager. And then I started running like a little inn in town. And then I moved to the hotel management side where I was over like sales and marketing for like portfolios of hotels. Right. And so I was doing like hospitality marketing. That was a time when okay. the hotel industry was transitioning from like... Everything was becoming more digital, right? We were seeing third-party sites like Expedia and Priceline. Um, things were going away from just reservations at the hotel level. And so I was in hospitality as the transition to digital was happening. And I think that my friend Stephanie, who told me I should take the job at ChangePoint, uh, saw that the transition, even in in religious circles, in churches, was going digital as well. Right. And so that's why she thought I'd be a good fit. I was like, no, absolutely not. Um, I just, I didn't want to work at church for a couple of reasons. Number one, just, I mean, sounds horrible. Uh, number two, like I knew a lot of what my backstory, like huge party in high school. And I just kind of thought that my past disqualified me from like, I could go to a church. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I could give to a church. They'd love that. Yeah. But you know what I mean? But like working totally different. And so Resetting I was like,
0: any Jesus, yeah, essentially. completely. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And
2: so I was like, Nope, I'm good. So I'll just, you know, keep my corporate job.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but then after, I don't know, probably a month or so. Uh, I felt like every time we'd go to church, somebody different would come up to us and say, Hey Adam, did you hear that Stephanie's leaving? We think you should think, take that job. Mm -hmm. And I finally told my wife, I was like, this is like, we've got to at least talk about this. And, and we really both felt like we were, this was something that I was supposed to do.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, didn't make any sense, but, but yeah, I was there for seven years. And then, uh, and then the transition to the nonprofit was, was a lot easier than the transition from the corporate world to church I bet. Um, for a couple of reasons, partly because I think after doing that for seven years, uh, especially when you do on the, like, the tech side, the marketing side of stuff, I just, I missed the people like that's, that was the power of like church or faith to me. It was like when you get to see real impact in people's lives mm. and it's like, I was just in my office building websites and apps, you know what I mean? And so it's like yeah. I had lost the, 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 the power kind of. And so when we had the chance to kind of start this new nonprofit, uh, I jumped at the opportunity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the nonprofit. Yeah. Uh,
2: So, I mean, because you run run multiple. um, I I do. So Now. Now. So I'm the executive director over Love Alaska. um, And basically what we are is our whole vision statement is to um, engage, equip, and mobilize the faith community to serve those that society has marginalized. Mm -hmm. So we look at different like marginalized people groups in our city and in our state and really ask how can the church be present in both reducing the injustice that is causing them to be marginalized, but also serving them by meeting practical needs in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We have two primary uh, initiatives. The one that most people know is called Priceless. Priceless walks with survivors of human trafficking. Uh, We've had over 230 survivors come into our program here in Alaska since we started it. Um, And then the second one is called Chosen and Chosen is one that we started to kind of get upstream of Priceless. One of the things that we kept hearing uh, with all of our, our stories of survivors and Priceless was things like aging out of foster care, youth who are at risk, like broken homes. And so we realized that upstream of issues like trafficking and homelessness is this crisis of youth who are at risk in our state, mm-hmm. right? of marginalized youth, of um, of victimized youth. And so Chosen pairs youth in that position with mentors to kind of help them transition into adulthood with healthy voices mm. rather than like harmful ones. Interesting. And so that's primarily what we do. So, so yeah, I'm over Love Alaska, which is the parent over those initiatives. Those two. Yeah. Uh,
1: that's cool. I didn't actually, I, I knew about chosen, but I didn't know, like you said it really, really well. Um, and so that's really kind of cool priceless for, you know, I think goes back to like um, human trafficking it yeah. was like, it, when I was in my one year of college, it became, like, such a, like, a a huge, like, I don't know, weight. Yeah. I felt it. And then, like, and then I didn't know until, you know, Priceless, when I came back up to Alaska, that, like, it is a very prevalent thing, even in this state. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I do remember, like, you telling me way back when, like, some stories of, like, you know, and you can't go into full details. But, I mean, like, some stories of, like, stuff that happens here mm-hmm. in places that I've walked and, oh, yeah. and I've been and, like, airports that I've, you know, flown out of. Yeah. And it's just, like, insane. And so I think that was, like, one of the things that, like, I love that there is you guys helping yeah. those people. You are seeing that, like, not just with human trafficking, which is, you know, global mm-hmm. Um, but, like, on a, you know, Alaska scale, like, let's help the people here. Yeah. And I love that. Right. Yeah. Um, because I think that is like a kind of a huge thing. Like, oh, well, let's take care of it globally. But it's like, no, no, let's just work on our state first. And so, yeah. So, talk about like going from communications director <laughs> yeah. to your first day of running a nonprofit. And like, what did that look like? And what were the challenges that you kind of came across? Because I would imagine. It's almost like running a business or it is running a business technically.
2: Yeah, it really is. Um, so basically what happened, Priceless was started under women's ministry at Change Changepoint. Uh, that's kind of where Priceless was birthed. And then it grew. It was, uh, it was kind of exploding. I think people were realizing that this issue of trafficking was even bigger than like the biggest church could handle. And so we knew that we needed Priceless to be a separate 501c3. We knew it needed to be from out from under one church. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Gwen Adams, who founded Priceless, and I uh, basically left staff at Change Point. Nate's uh, mom. Nate's yeah. mom. Yeah, exactly. Mark's wife. Mark's wife. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we'll <laughs> <laughs> just keep <laughs> making family connections. And Austin. and Austin's, Austin's mom. mom. Austin's and, mom. <laughs> and, that's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and so, crazy. yeah, I, so Gwen and I uh, basically left our pastor positions to kind of do this together. Um, and so I would say I'm gonna be honest, day one, I felt like the biggest like imposter syndrome mm. in the world oh, sure. and right and I go back to like, yo I dropped out of high school you know what I mean and it's like now yeah. I'm running a nonprofit's gonna help like trafficking survivors like what like yeah. how did I get here? How do you I, I just don't even know how you even get into that world Here's what I'll say I I would have, well, I was very overwhelmed. But when, when my wife and I talked about leaving, me leaving my job at Change Point to do this, the one thing we kept, kept coming back to as we were praying about it was that if money was no object for us, if we never had to worry about another dollar, what is the thing we would give our life to? Yeah. And for both of us, both my wife and I are very big justice people, right? It is like, it is the injustice in the world that really weighs heavy on us. We were like this is the thing we'd give ourselves to mm-hmm. and so for us it was like well then it's worth a chance right yeah. it's worth if it's like because we didn't leave change point with like a bank account full of nonprofit money like yeah. we left with a few months and it's like you figure it out we didn't have a donor base because we were starting from scratch we didn't have anything and it was like in some ways you kind of start to hustle like with a startup hmm right mm. you start telling the story you start telling about why this would matter to you enough to like leave a comfortable job to make happen and and it just like 8 years later now and here we are still yeah so yeah cuz so. in
1: my head I'm like you know, cause I'm picturing like if I was in your shoes, yeah, right. And I'm a, uh, I'm a communication director at a church and then I'm going to, you know, run a nonprofit. I would be Googling the hell out of like how to run a nonprofit, yeah, how to yeah. make, how to
0: make profit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. What do I need to do? Because I think it's just like, I don't know. It's just such a, like, uh, a, like a jump yeah. in my head going from like one thing to the other um in in multiple ways if you look at i mean like you know the hotel then to church and then to the you know nonprofit. um it's like those are jumps well so those are like in in you know
2: uh, scary as just by themselves yeah but you've done it multiple times well and it's what's crazy is that it's jumps, but also according to like the system that we all grew up in with the ladder you climb, they were jumps in the wrong direction. Like when I left the hotel industry to go on staff at the church, it was a 50% pay cut. And then I left the church to run a nonprofit and it was a 50% pay cut. And so like, I have to look at my wife and be like, sorry. <laughs> I mean, like kind of going the wrong way here, but you got to, I got poker skills <laughs> yeah. in the back yeah. pocket. If art, if art comes by, <laughs> yeah. we've got I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, here's the thing. At the end of the day, the one thing that I knew, I didn't know how to run a nonprofit. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like I had had lots of employees before in the hotel, so I knew how to like run like that kind of stuff, but I didn't know how to run a nonprofit, but I genuinely believed that it's what I was supposed to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's like, that was the thing that's like, okay, if you believe that, then you kind of figure the rest out. And that's sort of what it was like for me. Yeah. I mean, uh,
0: there's something to be said. Uh, like you said, when you started your first day, you had imposter syndrome. Totally. Which I, I am convinced in my vast 36 years of life that nobody... <laughs> in this world knows what they're doing to some extent when yeah. they start stuff, no matter oh, if they are confident yep. or whatever it is. I think we all have that and just some of us are just better at hiding it. That's just mm-hmm. the reality. Nobody starts their first day of work and is like, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do here right. for the most part. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I know what you're saying, but it's like you said, this is what you would be doing if it was for free yep. or, or you weren't getting paid. And so, that I think is the basis of what you need to be successful in any career is Mm. hopefully you're doing what you think you need to be doing in your life. Yeah. And that's cool because this was 2015 ish. Did you say years ago? Probably 20. Yeah, probably 2014 now at this point, right around there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, the whole idea, because. The whole trafficking idea. I'm a I'm a big justice crime guy too, uh-huh, and so true. I've been fascinated. Well, and, you're
1: also a big like serial killer, like crime, j-
0: guy. any true crime stuff. Yeah, I am same. interested. Yep, in. and I remember seeing Taken One. Oh yeah, and that was my, f- and uh, this isn't a joke. Like that was my first experience, like into the world of like trafficking. a think thing. Most people, most that's true. We hear yeah. that all the time, right? Yep. And it's just like, wait, they take people and, and kids, and, and I'm like okay, it's a movie, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, whatever year that came out, I'm I'm guessing mid-2000s or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like every week articles came out, articles came out, and it's just like, oh, this is like a global phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And so, and like you guys already kind of talked about is like, you would have never thought that would happen in your city totally. or, or or state, especially Alaska. You're like, we're pretty remote. Like that's not happening. Yeah. Like
2: you read about it every day. Yeah. And I think that like the thing to remember is that. So the term that we use in our organization is that traffickers primarily exploit vulnerabilities. Sure. That's what they do. Right. And that's not just traffickers. That's like any abuser. Largely, what they do is they exploit a vulnerability. And so when you ask the question about like, well, why Alaska? I would say read the headlines And look at the vulnerable people that are created in our state. Oh yeah, right. We all know that we lead the nation in things like domestic violence and sexual assault, and even alcoholism and suicide. That stuff, like all of that stuff, creates vulnerable people that traffickers are well aware are very easy to exploit. Sure. And so, in some ways, like what we have here as a culture, is the perfect location for an injustice and a crime like trafficking to take place. Even though it's remote, in some ways, even the remoteness is, is it, lends itself to that, right? Because uh-huh. I would imagine there's a lot of youth
0: trying to escape villages and totally. different places for various reasons, yep. And they're just looking for somebody to help them, and that's a that's the vulnerability you're talking about,
2: completely. And it's like you know, Taken's a good example of that. That when we think of trafficking, most of us, I know for me, it was true. That was what I thought of. But it's like now it can look like luring a native youth away from a village with the promise of a modeling job or yeah. of work or right. – you know what I mean? And so it's like no longer is it traffic because a van pulled up. Now it's traffic because like they had an iPhone. Right. You know what I mean? Like that kind yeah. of thing. So, so it's we, like the world's changed. We literally yeah. – Steve
0: and I were having this talk today because I'm I'm struggling with a 13-year-old having an iPhone. Yep. And, I, and I've told everybody I've, I have that thing locked down. Good. Very, yeah, good. Yeah, good. Very, and a lot of people have kind of been like, "Oh, well, you're kind of a boner shrinker. You don't even let them right. like do <laughs> yeah. anything." And I'm like, "No." you yeah. yeah. Well, you know, like I'm uh, I'm lame. <laughs> <essentially>. My mom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. popcorny. Texted me that the other day. Uh, <laughs> but it's just like I live in a constant state of fear of like what we're discussing. Yeah. It's like you never know what the messages could be through apps and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I'm like you know, I'd rather him be very frustrated with me for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then
2: in, in, instead of something happening. Yeah. And I think that that's, so one of the things that we try to do in an organization, because here's the thing is that your kid is growing up in a digital world. Yeah. Right. And there's no, there, there's no way to not let that happen. Right. And so like for us, I think that too often what we do is we take the approach of like, well, we're just going to reject that world and not equip them to live in that. Mm-hmm. But it's like the reality is, like, that actually creates a vulnerability that can sure, be exploited.
0: Never had it, that's yeah.
2: right, never had it. And so it's like, that's one of the questions that we have is like, how do we honestly have conversations with youth in junior high, youth in high school about what it means to grow up in a digital world, understanding that every person who sends you a DM is not who they say, even if their profile checks out. Right. You know, and so it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's just, It's rewiring how the next generation thinks about stuff. We don't want them to be so fearful that they hide from this world and then are exploited because of that. We just want them to be able to live in a digital world in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the things. Like in our organization, we're doing a lot over the next year around Alaska. Is we have like internet safety trainings that we're going to take into villages. Yeah. Um. Right. Because like Starlink is here, and like high speed internet's coming to places that have never had that. And we would love to be able to get that message out there before traffickers can, um, and other like online predators can exploit them. So how does that look? Like, what
1: would that look like yeah. for you guys to get out there and, and and spread the word?
2: Yeah. So I think that what it looks like, and we've been doing a lot of these last year via Zoom with a couple different native organizations around our state. Um, but in some ways it's, it's going out there. It's going to a village with a presentation, right? One that's designed for... Uh, grandparents, elders, parents, that sort of stuff. Like how do you even talk to kids about a world that you don't understand at all? Right. Cause that's the thing is that it's not asking a parent to equip their kid for a world they know. Like you're having to equip your kid for a world that you have no clue what it's like. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it's also just having honest conversations with, with youth in the village about, um, you know, it's not like scared straight kind of thing, but like we've seen here in our state youth trafficked. 100% 100% through Instagram DMs having never met their trafficker. Like, we know these things are happening in our state. Like, law enforcement talks about these stuff. They tell the stories. And so we just want to get ahead of that kind of thing mm. in rural Alaska. So I think it's taking that message directly out there. That's interesting, man, because, like, this is something, like, I think our our
1: parents, you know, the generation before us were, like, nervous about, like, us getting, like, taken just in a store. Kidnapped. totally right? yeah. kidnapped. Oh, yeah. And now it's completely, like just on a whole different scale yep and it's like you're having to come up with different policies and and ways to do things when it's like the the whole thing where we were right we just like i honestly don't even understand it all mm-hmm. so like so telling someone who's maybe in this situation like what is the first step they would need to take and like oh, to be more knowledgeable yeah. Like, what? Like what, what is something that, like, you would give them advice for, I guess? Well,
2: I think one of the biggest things that, and we see this all of the time with youth who get into situations, maybe they sent photos they know they shouldn't have, know those photos are, are being used against them, um, which can lead to, like, sextortion can lead to trafficking. You know what I mean? Like, all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because one of the things we hear the most from youth in that situation is that I genuinely didn't believe I had anybody that I could go to who, where I wouldn't be in trouble for telling them this. And so like, it sounds like the most basic thing, but if you have youth in your life to be the person that they know that like, you can come to me with hard stuff with, and like, I'm going to help you. I'm not going to judge you. You're not going to get in trouble. Like, I want to help you with that. Like, that is one of the biggest things that we can provide to kids. Um, And it sounds so simple, but we hear all of the time, the youth are like, the thing I didn't have was that. The thing I didn't have was that mm. I felt like I was in a situation where I was trying to make it better and I kept digging my hole and it got worse and worse. And I didn't know who to go to, I didn't know who I could talk to until I got in a situation that was, was too late. Yeah, yeah, it was too late.
0: Do you think that should be uh, just in your opinion, but yeah. like, do you think that should be a parent or do you think that should be some sort of third party? Because I, when you start, like you're saying, is like the kid is afraid because they'll get in trouble. Yeah. And generally they feel that way because they're doing something wrong. Yeah, that right. I mean, it's just, it's a hard, like the parent, you're like, hey, you can always tell me anything. You won't be in trouble. <laughs> it's like kind of a catch 22 because yeah. it's like, you told me I wouldn't ever get in trouble if I tell you the truth kind of thing. Totally. So yeah. I'm almost like, you know, is it like an aunt or is it, you know, some yep. preferably yeah. family, I would say, or somebody that you can go to because- When I hear you say that, I'm like, man, I don't know if I could do that because there would probably be some repercussions for making bad decisions.
2: I do think that it is difficult when it's apparent because of exactly what you just said. Yeah. Um, It is like, it's one of the reasons, like, both our programs, Priceless and Chosen, it's the reason that they primarily are mentorship organizations because we think that the thing that not just marginalized people, but all of us need are like people in our lives that are there for us. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like that person I have on my phone that I know at any time of the day or night I can call and like, they're there for me. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that it could be a parent, but because of that relationship, sometimes yeah. that makes it difficult. Yeah. For
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's an intense world that, you, I mean, I'm sure you've worked many times with law enforcement and oh, yeah. like you, that's a heavy load to take on each and every day. Do you feel like that's, uh, maybe increased your stress in your life pretty regularly? Do you feel like that's affected your health
2: because you're in this world constantly? Yeah, 100%. I think that it's one of the reasons, you know, our team, there's some things we focus on. And you'd think that when we had staff meetings, like we had one earlier today, um, that what we talk about is like, all right, let's hear case plans and like, how are the girls doing and where, like, but actually what we check up on with each other is – Like, how are you doing on your days off? How are you doing on like Mm -hmm. your, you know what I mean? Like your rest. Yeah. Because this stuff is heavy, right? Like a good day is like, we know where they all are and they're alive today. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, that's like, you have to kind of redefine what success looks like. Uh, And so it is a hundred percent taking a toll on me from from stress, health, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it has also shown me my own need for rest and to be able to say, this is my day and like, I'm unplugging my phone and my team's got this Yeah, and kind of pressing into rest because the load to carry in this is more than I, and even like the amazing team that we have, it's more than we can bear. Mm -hmm. And so like, we need to go into this work feeling really rested and really renewed or else it will, it's the reason that burnout rates for social workers and people in justice positions is so high. For sure. It's just the work is just so heavy. Mm. And so you have to you have to have healthy rhythms of rest in your life.
0: Yeah. I get that. That's yeah. one of those things where it's like, I think, uh, just in the true crime world that everybody, it's it's a huge thing now. And everybody's like, I'd make a great detective right. or I'd do this or this. And I've caught myself, you know, thinking like, man, I should go into this. But when you really think about this in, in the big picture is the, like, this is it, becomes real life very quickly when you're involved in it. And it's not like something you can just like read a little bit about and then put it down or watch a Netflix documentary and then be like, you know what? I'm going to go watch The Office now and uh, yeah. decompress. Palate like, cleanser. Yeah. This, yeah right. is, this can eat up your entire life. And especially when you read some of these stories about people getting caught 40 years later and it's almost the same detective that worked for 38 years and he's still haunted by this thing. Like, I I appreciate their sacrifice, but like that 40 years probably was not a very enjoyable person to be around, uh, in terms of probably substance abuse, marriage crumbling Mm -hmm. relationship. Like it's, it's a kind of the dark side of, of justice is is realizing there's a heavy toll that we could just kind of blow off and be like, well, they got the guy, you know,
2: it's, we're all good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's one of the reasons like on our team, like things like, Seeing counselors or therapists on a regular, making sure that you're having like weekly days that you are not working, like we are, those aren't like debatable, right? right. Like, we're, those aren't like optional. Like, those are required because this stuff it will like if you don't do the things to take care of yourself in this work, it, you will lose your marriage, you will lose your health, you will lose, you know what I mean? All of that stuff mm-hmm. because it just it does it eats away at you every day. This the the stories aren't the kind of things that when you leave the office, you just shut your brain off. Right. Right. It stays with you. Yeah. So how do you,
1: how do you like unburden yourself?
2: Up, up yeah. The day? So I've, um I rest horribly. Like I'm the kind of guy, like I've never met a side hustle. I don't love, right. Like I, I, monetize everything, which is horrible, but like, I just, that's just kind of who I am. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and so rest for me doesn't come naturally because there's always something to be doing. And so I've actually had to search for like, what are things that I do that I just feel alive when I do them? Mm -hmm. Right. There's, there's no productivity. It's just things that like I do and I feel alive. And so uh, a few years ago, I had a month long sabbatical and it was the kind of thing it was came just at the right time had to have it and uh i thought this can be cool months i get to go do things that i love and then i kind of realized i don't even know what that is Mm. i don't know what i I don't know what i'm gonna do for a month like i honestly was super afraid of that time Mm. because i was like everything i do i monetize and so i don't have anything like i don't fish i don't play sports i don't do like nothing it's all jobs and so I decided, well, one thing I love to do is a road. I love to drive. Like driving's always been therapeutic for me. Yeah. So I decided to take a couple of weeks and go on a West Coast road trip just by myself. Oh. Wow. Um, so I flew to Seattle, rented a car and I was just going to go drive, see some friends, kind of uh, hang out on the West Coast. And I was in Portland, Oregon and a buddy of mine who's a film photographer down there, we were talking about this issue, how I don't, I produce, I don't just like be. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, have you thought about film photography? And I was like, not since like, Trapper Creek. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, is that still a disposable camera? That's right. Like that kind of thing. And he was like, he's like, Adam, I really think that you need to start taking film photos. Yeah. And he said, the reason is, is that there's no instant gratification. You can't know what the result is. And it's not even about the result. It's just about the fact that you created something. Right. And so we went to a Goodwill in Portland and he's like, I will help you pick out a film camera. And we picked out a film camera, went and bought some film. And he took me to some of his favorite spots around Portland. And, I'm a creative guy, but I hadn't had a day that was that renewing at like a soul level in so long. Because nice. for me, I'm so used to like even if I'm out doing photography, I'm looking at the back of the camera, I'm looking at my phone, I'm how yeah. did I do? What am I keeping this picture? What am I gonna use it on? Should I schedule it now? Should I like post it? You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> I yeah. get it. Yeah, it's like an addiction. I yeah. And so like film photography was my thing. And still to this day, like I have film cameras that I'll just keep in the back of the Jeep and they're just with me. And so like when I need a day that I need to just get out. It's film photography. So when so when
1: are you gonna start the YouTube channel on film photography? No,
2: yeah. so this is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's been one of the problems is that some people are like, Oh, you should sell some of your prints. And I'm like, Yes, I should. And then I'm like, yeah. Oh, that kills film uh, photography. You no. you know yeah. what I mean? It, that's it, hard for me to. That's too. what I do though. I turn it into a job. I'm like, but I could monetize it. Why wouldn't I? That's so
1: funny. That's I'm very similar. And I'm like, Yep. I look at all my hobbies and they're all stuff I'm making minimal to money on but right? some but some yeah and so it is very similar so I feel that because like now uh I'm like I, I just played video games for the first time yesterday and was like the first time I actually watched Twitch up- I'm streaming. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. literally was like am I becoming a freaking streamer now? God. What's up everybody? <laughs> Steven here <laughs> I was like I just need the lights and yeah. uh, um no but it is funny because like I, I I see that in myself too is like I am like I like it. How can I make this my life, or yeah. a part of my life, or a revenue stream, or anything? And then I also find myself doing this to other people. Oh, totally. So, like specifically, yeah. Kyle, I'm like, oh, bro, like you can do this, you can do that, like oh, you can, you know, do and I, and my, I, I, I mean, all my friends, I, lo- I love you guys, but like I do it to all my friends. Yeah, the feeling, feelings mutual. So, so, <laughs> so much so that I, I've realized now that I'm like. I need to slow down. Like yeah. I need to like stop this because it, it it is like, like it's there's, there's very few of us, I guess. Yeah. are you know, just like, go, 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 go. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Well, and I, like other people are like, oh Bo, you're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you need to get out of here. You know? yeah
0: I think it's the idea that the, the quote kind of thing is like, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life kind right. of thing. I think there's some truth to that, but I think, don't think that means monetize yep. everything you love but that's how i think society has taken that quote it's like if i can just make money off of this i'd love it already so i'll be yeah. happy yeah and um i've done that with golf like it's just like i can't do the money thing with it I just have to enjoy it Because it's just my thing that yep. I spend a ton of money on And it's like It would make sense to offset that But yeah. it's just uh-huh. like yeah. I can't I can't mess with it Or else it becomes not fun Yeah, but that's I'm not, right
1: I'm not sure like where my Like where I I can't like set a point And be like Oh, that's where I started like Trying to
2: do everything mm-hmm. Like do you have that kind of moment? I don't know that I have that moment I will say that I've always Fallen off on the workaholic side like I'm typically the guy without, without me being intentional on like a healthy rhythm of weekly rest in my life, I'm the kind of guy who burns out and goes away. And I just know that to be true about myself, right? I had a friend one time tell me that I'm an obsession looking for a compulsion,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? Yes. And
2: I think that that's really true about myself. Yeah, And so I have to, if I know that to be true about myself, then I have to act and respond in a way to combat that.
3: Yeah,
0: You
2: know, and so I don't think I have a point in time. I do think in some ways it goes back to even like dropping out of high school where right. I knew that I would have to work harder. Mm-hmm. And so everything I do, right. It's like, I don't just, right. I, I don't just have a YouTube channel. Now we have to do a certain number of videos and monetize that. And we don't just like, you know, it's like all of that kind of yeah. stuff. And during COVID I started, cause you guys stopped making beard oil. So I started making beard oil and then yeah. it's not like for just for myself. Now I'm selling beard oil and I'm like, why? It's like. It makes no sense. That,
1: I think that's where we got to, too, <laughs> yeah. is like we were like, we're not even using our products every day. That's we're right. We're not having fun with this anymore. Like we we're having fun in the beginning when we were like, oh, this is new. Yeah. It's like it still had that new car smell. But like now it's become like, ugh, a, it, we're burning ourselves out because we are put, putting that time and effort that's it. into it. Um, yeah. So it, it's an interesting concept because like I fall into that trap, too like more times than not. And like, here I am, like I was even like brainstorming today. Like what can I, what else, what more can I do? Right. right? And it's like, uh, there's this, you know, uh, I think that's another thing too. Is like, we, we like creatives like us where there's ideas and we fall in love with those ideas. And then like, they turn into really big ideas. Yeah. And we're like, hell yes. Let's, chase this idea yep. and then like but what i realized too for myself is like if i'm not super passionate or like what i see the bigger picture right i see like you know the why i'm doing this if i don't have that why and i'm, I'm this is very recently that i've learned this if i don't have a why for what i'm doing then like you know i shut it down totally then i burn myself out and then i'm like wasteful wasteful and like you know i'm a failure and then there's that imposter syndrome and then all that it just goes on and on. It's a vicious cycle. So, really recently, I was like, "What's my why for this?" I don't have a why for this. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I should do something else. You That's know. Cute, right? yeah. So it's something I'm. I'm. Well, I mean, it's. It. I'm still learning. <laughs> like I said, today I was like, You figured brain-
2: this out forty five minutes. Ago. Yeah, <laughs> I was. You, you can now buy Stephen's new book. Yeah. <laughs> What's my why for nineteen ninety five? Why, why, why? <laughs> Follow my why on this. Not bad. not bad yeah. ideas. Not bad ideas. Yeah. I'm going to write those down. I'll monetize uh, that. No,
1: but it was funny because I was brainstorming today. I'm like, what's next? What does yeah. that look like? And all that stuff. Um, but, you know, so now here we, we're, we're going a little deeper subject. But, like, we are talking about a little bit of your side hustles, which I'm fascinated with. Because that's another reason how we know each other yep. is through the YouTube world. It is. Uh, so talk about your YouTube channel. Oh. And, I, I mean, like, your stardom. <laughs> I mean, in my head, it's like uh, what you're doing. And, like, if I went on a cruise and Mm -hmm. I said, hey, everybody, like, I'm going on a cruise, people would be like, good luck, buddy. Like, I'm not coming. But you actually had people
2: join you. Yeah. and that's amazing. So, okay, talk about your YouTube channel. <laughs> this is weird, man. Um, you know what's crazy? It's like it's more easier for me to talk about human trafficking than YouTube. Isn't that strange? Oh yeah, um, that's so, the imposter syndrome in us. Yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Uh, so eight years ago, my wife and I started our YouTube channel, which is just like a lifestyle vlog channel. And the reason we started it primarily is that our niece and nephews live out of state; they don't live here in Alaska, and. When you have distance from family, it, we were looking for ways to like minimize the distance. And we thought, well, it'd be kind of cool to do, start doing just some like life vlog sort of things, right? Sharing our life so that mm-hmm. family and friends could watch. Um, we never thought there would be anything more than that. The first video we ever filmed was in Hope, Alaska. And it's like, it is so cringeworthy to watch. We went like gold panning in Hope. <laughs> and uh, And it's like, we just posted it and never thought anything would happen. And we just kind of continued to post regularly for a couple of years. Um, and it's like, we'd go, we'd post once and then we'd go two or three months, not post anything, no real like dedication to the channel, just mm-hmm. kind of wherever. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, we went on a Disney cruise and vlogged it. And like those videos kind of blew up and that's where our audience started to grow. So like eight years in, we're not a huge channel. It's, I mean, we're uh, just about 21,000 people. Um, but like our, our community that we've built is the craziest thing. So like they watch like last, last 20 days, like a million and a half minutes of content from us Get um, out. Yeah. Like they're so, they're so dedicated. Um, you'd mentioned like the viewer cruise. We did our first viewer cruise in October, 2021. And we had, uh, just over like 120 people go on a Disney cruise with us. <laughs> that's
3: so cool. We have
2: our next one uh, in March of this year, and we have uh, 200 people already booked to go on that cruise with oh us. Oh my goodness. And so, and these are people that like, I mean, it's crazy. Their dedication and their loyalty. Um, I've, I really haven't seen anything like it. And so like our channel is not, you know, again, 21,000 people. It's a lot of number. Like if that was in a room, right. It's yeah. like, it'd be amazing. Yeah. But in YouTube, that's not You're like
1: in the Alaska airline center.
2: Right, there you go. Seriously. Yeah. And so, but in YouTube world, that's very small. But like our people are just so committed and it just blows me away. So, yeah, yeah we've built so, a real community.
1: Oh, well, and I also I think I love it because it's Disney.
2: It is that a lot like, of Disney stuff. Yeah, 80% 80% of our audience find us from our primarily Disney Cruise content. And so, people always say that they they find us for Disney Cruise, but they stay for like us. Yeah. Huh.
1: That's so, nice. I mean, how do yeah. you
2: how do you keep it
1: fresh? How do you cuz I think, you know, Um, and if people have been listening to this podcast, they know I blogged Mm -hmm. for a while. And I did it for like a little less than two years, and I was like burnt out. Talk about, you know, I didn't have my why. and Actually, I had a why, but it was a very shaky why. Mm -hmm. Fame. Uh, It was fame. It really was. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll I'll, I'll be honest. I I wanted to like be an influencer. I wanted to get paid to post on Instagram. Yep, And that's what I wanted, and it's very shaky, very rocky. And as soon as you start to nudge that, then boom, it can fall over. And that's what happened, and I just was – Ugh. Dark period, real dark period, right? It's just like, what am I doing with my life? I just quit my job for this. Yeah. Um, sorry about that, little rabbit trail. Um, but anyway, so like, how do you keep it fresh? How do you kind of keep going? What are you doing to? Keep creating consistent content yeah. that people watch a million and a half times in 28 days. I mean, that's a lot. A million a half views. Yeah, minutes. 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 Sorry, yeah. minutes.
2: And I'm minutes gonna... is the thing that, like, to Insane me, there's, it's crazy because some people focus on subscriber growth, want a big channel. Some people focus on views, they want a lot of views. I want minutes. Minutes are the thing that that is the most important metric to me on YouTube because minutes are where connection is made, minutes are where community is built. Like, if somebody watches something that I put out there for 30 seconds and it's watched by 20 million people, they have no connection right. to, you know what I mean? Yeah. it's, it's
0: The, the YouTube
2: it counts, but it, it's like, yeah. what, what effect did you have on Completely. it? Completely. Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to the why kind of answers the question. So when we realized that YouTube was kind of taking off for us and when, you know, you start to get, when you get your first Google paycheck is, you know, it's like, Holy cow, like this is becoming something. And then, Like, the channel's growing and people might know you. Sharon and I had a conversation about, like, okay, why are we doing this? Like, what is this for? What do we hope this would be? And one of the things that we really went to was that – is what we're putting out there something that we think is like positive in the world? Because there's a lot of crap on the internet, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are we just creating another piece of content? Corn silk vlogs. Okay. No, no, not stiff vlogs. I mean, no, no, I mean no. just Just to crap. start. Yeah, just the just tip of crap. the iceberg. And one of the things that Sherry and I came to is, and we don't have a perfect relationship, but we don't have kids and we do feel like- we communicate really well with each other. Uh, we compliment each other. We feel like we have a, a an unnaturally healthy relationship. And we've really felt that way for a whole marriage. Hmm. Um, and so we thought, man, there's a lot of things that kids who primarily are watching YouTube will be watching relationally and mm-hmm. learning from that are not healthy. Oh, yeah. And so when we first started, that was one of our whys was like, and I remember telling Sherry, like, I think about, the young man who will never grow up to know what it's like to treat a woman with respect and kindness. And you know what I mean that kind of stuff. And it was crazy because we do a Christmas card exchange every year with our community and we'll get four or 500 Christmas cards like from them. Um, and one of them last year was from a mom in California, a mom of triplets and gosh, I get emotional even thinking about it. And she said that uh, she has, so her triplets are two daughters and one son. And she was like, and I put my, put your channel on for my son because he has no healthy men in his life. And as a mom, I want him to see the way you treat a woman. Mm-hmm. Like, and I want him to see like what it means to be a man in a really non-toxic way. And I just remember reading that letter and I was sitting at my kitchen, kitchen table and just like sobbing because it was the answer to our why. Right. You know, and I was like, oh, this is what, this is what five years ago. We said we wanted our channel to do when it came to impact and it's doing it. Mm, yeah. Um, now cool. it's crazy because like the content, like we have such a dedicated audience that it kind of doesn't matter what we do. Um, a few years ago, I bought a drone because I was like, everybody on YouTube has a drone now. So I have to have a drone.
1: Of course. And we started yeah.
2: putting drone stuff in our videos and our audience revolted. They were like, no, they're like, we don't care about that stuff. Like, we don't want to see Alaska. We want to see you and Sherry living your life in Alaska. It is about the two of you. It is not about the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was so eye-opening. And that wow. was so eye-opening to me because I thought like it was about the transitions and the color grading and all you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and our people yeah. are like, no, like stuff that it, I get sucked into and I'm like, ah, oh, it's not good. You know, throw it away. Yeah, like color's like, not there. If I was to if I was to create a video with that kind of stuff. Our audience would absolutely reject that. Yeah, like there's a they, little
0: bit of uh, fakeness to that in the sense that like people realize that oh why are why are they making it look so good? It loses its its reality. I guess right. in, in a lot yeah. of ways it doesn't feel as authentic. Maybe right. yeah, authentic. That's and
2: it. so and so I think that like that's you know if you look back at the stuff we post on our channel it's everything from like unboxings to yes Disney trips and travel mm-hmm. stuff. We went to Fiji last year and like. There's a lot of life in Alaska travel, especially the last two years with COVID, we've traveled a ton around our state. Um, But then there's also just like, it's the weekend and we're decluttering, right? you know, or like we're just talking about relationship stuff. And so it is like all over the map as far as like what we're posting. It's not one kind of content really. Do you, do you feel like, like, are you still editing?
1: Oh Yeah. So, I mean, how do you fit it in? I hate editing.
2: I'll be really honest. Um, I
1: I am getting there, too. And it's like, I I would rather pay people to do it. Sure. And I'm like, but you're still turning it and burning, you know, all these videos. And, like, you're still editing all of them. How are you finding the time and, like, to go through all this footage? I'm sure, like, you're doing a lot of, like, leave the camera there and just
2: live our lives. Right. Or, you know, vlogging. And I mean. Yeah. So, we do three videos a week. And our average video is at if our average video is almost never under 20 minutes like we're doing 20 to 45 minute videos um, it's so like very long form like, uh, it's a podcast it really is yeah yeah um, and but I hate editing so much that I have figured out how to vlog to minimize my editing so I'll use a day on a Disney cruise as an example or we did Princess we cruised with Princess here in Alaska last summer when I go into a day, I already have the end product in my head. I know that when I walk on a ship day one, here's the things I want. I want the video of us. I want to show the check-in process because like our channels, three values are to inform, inspire, and do good. Mm -hmm. And so like, I want to inform people, right? I want to like show them what the process is like when you show to the port. I want to show like Sherry and I walking onto the ship, right? The kind of the first look at how beautiful the atrium is. Um, kind of walking around, we'll do a room tour on day one. We'll do, so I'll have this idea of on day one's video, it will look like this. I won't film anything outside of that. Mm. Like I just filmed the stuff. So if I film, if I have 60 minutes of footage, I bet it will end up being a 52 or 53 minute video. Like there's very little waste in what I film. But you still have to watch all that footage. I still have to watch all the footage. So like it does take a couple of hours per video. Um, yeah. But again, I'm not color correcting That's anything. I'm, I'm not, not changing mean. sound. I'm not like I'm editing iMovie, okay. you know, yeah. like I'm not using anything else because nice. I'm trying to keep it simple. If it's not simple, I won't do it. Yeah. And I just know that about myself. Like if it's not simple, I won't do it.
1: Um, one 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 question that just popped in my head as you yeah. we were saying that, because like as a like a previous vlogger myself, I would do the same thing, right? I'd be like, okay, I'm going on this adventure mm-hmm. today or this weekend this is what I want to get. And then now this is where I think part of like the burnout started to happen is like something would go wrong or something would go different or I'd be like, Oh, you know, my friends would be like, Oh, actually we're not doing that anymore. We're going over here. And my anxiety would be like yeah. through the roof. And There was one, one time that, um, I was, I had a whole plan. I was going to go do this whole thing. I don't even remember what the thing was, but I was so excited about it. It fell through. And I was like, I need to, video tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? And so I had to like, but I had this like existential crisis, like anxiety shaking. I was shaking because I was like, I don't, I have no idea what to do. How do you deal with those? Because I'm sure after, you know, eight plus years
2: of doing this stuff, you've had those days. We've had a lot of those days. And I will say that's one of the things that got easier. So probably year five ish, five or six, I was probably at the unhealthiest when it came to YouTube. It was the kind of thing it was like, oh, it's Tuesday night. We don't have a video for Wednesday. We've got to get a video for Wednesday. Sure, we need to go to Target, right? When you have to go, we have to go do something yeah, to create right, content. Yeah. And from the beginning of our channel, we always said, and our channel's name is Leg Life, you know, for our last name. Um, we always said that if we were not documenting our real life, if we were creating content and going yeah. on date nights and doing things just for content and not as natural part of our life, shut the channel down. Right. Oh, shut it down. It's not real. Like, and we're not willing to do that. We're not willing to present something of ourself that just isn't like authentic, isn't real. And we realized that we got into a place where I was starting to get there and it was really unhealthy. And so honestly, I just had to be okay with things not being okay. And it's like, you know what? It is worth it to miss the video tomorrow and miss an upload than to do something that I know is against my value, which is we're not going to fake things. We're not going to force things. And so it was probably a six-month period of me having to, like, try to go to sleep on a Tuesday night, freaking out that yeah, yeah, that 8.30 tomorrow morning, the video wasn't going to go live. Um, And so I just had to let – honestly, I had to be okay with letting some things fail. And it has led to, like, YouTube today is more successful than it's ever been for us but it feels more lightweight than it ever has. Huh. And that's crazy because I, that. I would have expected it to go the exact opposite. Like it feels so easy right now. Oh, I love that. Yeah,
1: man. That feels so like yeah. good to hear you say that because like in my head, I'm like, he's editing three videos yeah. a week. He's also running, you know, two nonprofits techn- yeah. or one nonprofit, but like two initiatives, you know, and you're also doing your podcast right. for like life. Yeah. And it's like, you should find, i mean like i'm over here like i'm like struggling you know with one thing and like yeah so it's it's cool that you hear you say that because i and it also is very inspiring to hear you talk about it that way because i think that's another thing a lot of people do myself included when i was putting consistent videos on youtube was like i was like what's up everybody like i was yeah. not myself yep I was not being authentic. I was not being open and honest to who I was or what I was struggling with. If I would have turned that camera on myself when I was shaking with anxiety because I didn't know if I was going to have a video the next day. Right. I was like, that would have probably been more interesting than anything I ever did yeah, for that but, channel.
2: Well, and I think the reality is, is that the reason 200 and plus people will spend thousands of dollars going a Disney cruise with us isn't because we create beautiful content we don't yeah it's because we've invited them into our life and they feel a connection with us right like we've talked to them about why we can't have kids the health stuff behind that Mm. when sherry got so sick two years ago we opened up our life and invited them into that whole journey and so they feel this connection um in fact it's crazy because like people come up to us and like they know these deep intimate parts of our life but like i don't know what they sound like you know what i mean i don't know who this person is right um but again, like if I was just like faking target trips, right? Or just like doing stuff for content, I don't think there'd be that connection to us yeah. as opposed to like really trying to kind of open our like peel back our chest and like invite them into our real life. So when you do miss a video, yeah. I mean it does it happens, right? Oh yeah, missing I'm, a video? Well, yeah, tomorrow, I mean tomorrow, I won't have a video because There's, you're here. Yeah. And, you haven't and, been what? rolling well, over here. No, and could- <laughs> so actually here's a good example. So Sherry got home from work this evening. And we had dinner and we were talking about it because we had like an hour where we could have filmed. We know what the video would have been. It was going to be a sit down video where we're updating people on some travel stuff. And we talked about it and she's like, do you want to like, we can film this. And I was like, nah. And what's crazy is like three years ago, I would have been like, yup. Like, let's do this. Let's knock this out. Let's get it it done. And then I'd go home tonight and and, and I'd edit it. And then I have a meeting tomorrow morning. I would have been tired, You know what I mean? And so in some ways for me, it's just, um, it's just a healthier balance to say, you know what, let's do yeah. that video on Friday instead. That's yeah. good. It's okay to miss Wednesday. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's part that of That is a good lesson, I think, to learn, especially
1: for content creators yeah. because there is that hole that we can all get sucked into. And like, we're like, you have to, you have to, you have to. Yeah. And it's like, really, you're looking out for, you're thinking you're looking out for the people who are going to be at their phone like ready like yeah. it's dropped but like no one's going to be doing that and like if you're not looking out for number 1 yep. then like Your you know stuff will suck. I yeah. Mean, clearly. I because I I you know it's funny cuz I mean, you know, I'm 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 pertaining this to my own experience with YouTube and it's just like I see that and I'm like, man, like that is you have you doing three videos a week. Mm-hmm. I was doing one video a week and I was struggling. Mm-hmm and like but here you are talking about it lighthearted and you're like if i miss one it's okay and if i missed one back then i was like all oh, hell's going to break loose i mean you should not you don't need to be around me then but like so it's kind of cool to hear you talk about it and like there is a um a, a way to do this uh, but if you're open and authentic to yourself then that shines through and
2: i think that i think that that's the thing is that the whole influencer culture is weird, right? But I would argue that all of us influence people to something, right? It's like, I mean, it's like, if you tell a friend about a new restaurant and they go there, like, that's what you did. You influenced them to do something. And so I, I think, you know, Langston Hughes once said, the only prerequisite for writing is having something to say. And I think it's true for all content. Like, do you feel like your life is such a way, not that you're perfect, not that it's like, oh, I have the answers, but like, do you have something to share? And it's like, sometimes for us, Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I just think back to the eight years on, on YouTube and we've been able to, yes, create cool content. Yes. Make great connections, but we've been able to like help a lot of people as well. And that's just, again, inform, inspire and do good. Like if our videos cross those three off or one of those three
1: Mm. success. I love that. Yeah. I love that. We can we can film a little video right here right now and be like, "Hey, everybody, sorry, he's not posting a video. Uh, It's our fault." Yeah, (laughs) you know,
2: cornfield vlogs returns. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. But here's the nice thing, though, is our audience uh, has so gotten used to um, us not uploading at times that like we no longer, if we miss one upload, we no longer get the hey, where was the video we did for a while? Because I was like so like, no, we have to have a video that we missed one. We hear from people like things. Okay. But now our audience is just like, no, take whatever time you need. Like, we, you that. know? Yeah. Cause they really care about you. It feels like it. Yeah. I mean, and it's crazy. Cause I think that, um, I don't know. I just feel like they, they think that they're a part of something, you know, during, uh, so during COVID, uh, it was in 2021. Um, so kind of second going into the second year of, of it. Right. Uh, When Canada announced that they were not going to allow ships to come to Alaska, which essentially shut down the cruise industry here in Alaska for the second season, Mm. I just started thinking about like friends of mine who have businesses in Southeast, and I was like, "We've got to do something." You know what I mean? Like, we've got to do something. And so, like, I went on Instagram Live with our audience, and I was like, "Hey, like,
1: oh, I remember this.
2: What can we do to help?" And it was crazy because um, one of our people on Instagram Live was like, "What if you just like told us who those businesses are?" Like, what if you told us who these Southeast Alaska businesses are and then we can just go online and spend money and shop with them. And it's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, let's talk about this. Like, let's like flush this head a little bit. And in like a 48 hour period, we bought a domain called it was shop 49th. It's no longer there. The domain might be. Um, and we basically were picking like five Southeast Alaska businesses that we were going to highlight to our YouTube audience every month. And like, basically say people can't show up physically. So Leg life community, will you show up digitally? like go online. And we were having, um, I mean, there's a business in Ketchikan called Woodlands and she did more sales in three weeks than she had in the previous year. Like, like when we went to Ketchikan this last summer, she's like, the whole reason our business is still here is because your community showed up. Wow! And the thing is, is like our people know that they're a part of that. And so for us, it's not just Adam and Sherry, these people they watch in Alaska, they genuinely believe that this has turned into something that is having impact and you know what I mean? Like it's actually doing good. And I think that that's the thing is that we're not just content that people consume. They're a community that they're a part of. And I think that that's the piece that too many creators miss is, is yes, you create cool content, but there will always be somebody else who creates cooler content. Mm. Are you creating a community that people can feel like they belong to and that is actually making a difference? Mm. And so for me, like, why do people go on cruises with us? Why do they watch, you know, a 45 minute video of us doing absolutely nothing? It's because we're a part of their community. Right. Yeah. I love that. Adam, you were too perfect. T- please tell me you have some vices. Uh oh. Yeah. oh what gosh. It, what? I was just that was like I was just like uh, I hug too long. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I, love, yeah. I, I give too much to charity. I give and too I much sing in here. the shower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I sing off I sing off kid in the shower. Yeah. yeah. It's so
0: funny. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is there like we've kind of gone over like y- your whole career yeah uh, and then what sounds like you don't have any free time then we find out the about the youtube channel mm-hmm. the podcast um monetizing every hobby you could possibly do like totally. what what besides the film photography mm-hmm. like what do you find yourself kind of like really doing to kind of unplug like is there TV you know like a, or like Pop culture. What are you
2: doing? Yeah. Um, so I have a very specific answer. Float tanks are what I do. Oh yes, I forgot. Yeah. The I, so, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. So and I discovered this kind of in my film photography season. Uh, so I was actually in Austin, Texas for the Austin City Limits Music Festival with some buddies. We were down there. Uh, this was in 2019, I think. It was 2019, I think. Yeah, because you used to do marketing for festivals too, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yep. This is another just, side yeah, hustle. I just wanted to pop in there. Because why
2: not? Yeah. I'll be at okay. South by Southwest in a couple months. And so it's, it's a weird <laughs> life. Um, and so we were in Austin, Texas. And um, and my buddy who was with us was like, hey, have you guys ever done a float tank, like a sensory deprivation tank? Yeah. And I had heard of them, yeah. but I'd never done one. And we went to one and I didn't think I was going to like it because I have a hard time shutting my mind off. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always, you know what I mean? Like even at nighttime, the reason I struggle to sleep is that I just can't stop thinking. And so I just, I thought I wasn't going to like it and I loved it. Like I had never felt, I got massages. Like I'm the kind of dude, like I love getting a manicure and pedicure. Like I have yeah. no problem with that stuff. It's just like, I, I love, love that it. kind of stuff. But a float tank was next level to me. And so then, because at the time we didn't have one in Anchorage that I knew of. And so like, as I would travel around the country, I would look for like float centers in cities I was in and I would just start floating anytime I could. And, uh, and then there's a place here in Anchorage that now I go and I have a monthly membership. And so float Sweet. 49th, float 49th where I go. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it, it to me is, I know it's only like 60 minutes, but what I get out of that is so much more than that.
1: Interesting that you say that that because uh, I feel bad. You reminded me because I went to their website Mm -hmm. because you told me about them. I've never been, but I went to their website and I uh, was buying a gift for – Oh. And then I forgot I was, and then like literally actually left it in the cart. <laughs> I left it in the cart, and then uh, Merry Christmas, I, Kyle. <laughs> I was like I'll go back to that later, and then I never nope. came back to it because I didn't have my wallet on me. Yeah, um, but I really, I've always wanted to try one. Yeah, I know we both we should, have.
0: We should do, do a video there. About- <laughs> I mean, honestly, totally.
1: I mean, that's not a bad idea. So,
0: it was- so let me ask you about yes. about this though, because I'm familiar with it. You're in, I mean there's saline what is epsom wa- salt, uh, epsom salt. Yep. so that you're better you're floating essentially in a pitch black yeah tank. totally so is it because of the the weightlessness that you feel like is meditation and kind of like a dark space not on the same level for you kind of thing yeah like is um what i'm asking is like have you tried alternatives to the tank that work as well kind of like meditating in the dark at oh, yeah. home or something.
2: Yes. I've, I've tried that kind of stuff. I've tried, um, I mean, everything from, from yoga to like adult coloring books. I know it's a very different kind of thing, but, like anything to like kind of calm my mind. Sure. Um, and a dark, so here's it's an adult coloring book. Okay. A it's, lot of naked pictures. <laughs> I just realized what? I should clarify the term adult. Um, There's some weird <laughs> pictures in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I don't know how to answer that question. Not a non-adult Just harder car- than yes. the kids. Hard- the the yes. dinosaurs are more realistic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's parts you can color on the dinosaurs yeah, that uh, aren't in the kids books. Yeah, okay, right. I think Sorry. I think for me, um, there's never a point in time that I'm not being bombarded with senses. Yeah, I was. going You say. know, and like I'm a phone addict. I mean, even the fact that I haven't checked my phone as long as we've been talking, like. It's over here and it's driving me crazy, right? Right. Because like, what could I be missing? Who knows? Um, And so I just, my senses are bombarded. And so in a flow tank, yes, it's dark. Yes, it's silent. But you're also in this pool of water that is heated to your body's temperature. So you don't know where the water starts in your, or the water stops in your body starts. Right. And there's just nothing Like there's just nothing. Even if I lay on my bed in the dark trying to just meditate or focus or pray or whatever it is, I'm still feeling the pressure of the bed below me. Mm -hmm. I'm still, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. In the float tank, all of that has gone away. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to explain because like there's no weight or pressure anywhere. Mm -hmm. You just are. And I love that. And it's the one time in my month where- my senses get a break. It feels like. Sure. Is yeah. there?
0: Do you do any type of meditation while you're in there? Do you just try to just close your eye, or
2: what? What do you do? Watch while your you're thoughts in there? go by. Yeah. So it's every time I will say is a little bit different for me. Sure. Um, there been a couple times that I've gone in there and I'll put on like a almost like a spa playlist, and the music will help me sleep. Like what if is I want the, that. What's on that? playlist it's whatever amazon music <laughs> says yeah. Elevate, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> just like <laughs> almost like ethereal kind of you know what i mean oh kind of, exactly Yeah, that yeah kind yeah. of thing. love that um but most of the time i'm in there total silence and i'll normally try to focus on things that um just are very peaceful to me mm. right and so i'll think about um i won't think about work stuff i won't think about you know that kind of stuff right and if i find my um, in fact, just an example from recently is I started thinking about like, oh, friends and relationship and community, but then it started to go to like, oh man, what about our friends that are leaving Alaska and we have friends getting a divorce and we have, and so I'm in this tank and I feel like anxiety. Mm. And so I have to force myself to not think about that. Yeah. Right. Try something else. Um, a lot of times I'll just focus on my breathing cause that really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then just kind of whatever you do to relax, whether that's just prayer, quiet meditation. Um, yeah. And, and if something doesn't work. Try something else in there, right? Move to something else and and see if that works. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause that's the biggest issue with uh, meditation. I've tried, I've tried all that kind of stuff. I haven't done the float tank, but essentially it's like a, just a battle uh, in my brain because it's like uh, stop thinking. Well, you're thinking because you're telling yourself to stop thinking. And it's just like this constant. And I know if I probably did it enough and got better at it, you could calm your mind better. Um, But I'm, Using a lot more breath work stuff as of late because yep. it doesn't require me to kind of like, I just need to focus on a pattern and doing it over and over again for minutes. And yep. then you get some sort of benefit um, that you get from meditation, almost the same thing. And so it's like, meditation has always been one of those things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel like I. What do you, what you know, do you, what about like guided meditation? I just, I get to, I just. I start thinking about the voice. I'm like, whose voice is this? What do they do for a living? Do you think they just do meditations (laughs) for a living? Like I just, it just goes and goes. And I'm just like, where's this person like sitting at when they're recording this? Like, do you
1: think that they think this is stupid? Like, I just have
0: these conversations in my head and I'm like, I'm not. This is the opposite of meditation.
1: I I like the, like you're, I get that. I a hundred percent get that. I think with my ADD brain, I'm always like on that Uh, case too but then like the ones that i really love the guided meditations where they're like visualize yourself walking down a step of stairs Mm -hmm. at the bottom of the stairs and so i get to visualize something as i'm like meditating and just the act of me visualizing that is like meditation an act of meditation Mm -hmm. right so it's like having someone walk you step by step by step into like relaxation and like then, you know, with breath work in there. I love those. Those are my favorite right now. I I found that that I I do it every day, but
2: it does help though. It does. It totally helps. And I'm the same way with my, like, cause my mind's all over the place. And I found that I, if I'm focusing on my breathing and I'm trying to like clear my mind, I'm exactly like you where I'm like, I'm thinking about the fact that I'm not thinking about anything. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's not helpful. And so I've actually found that for me, as I'm focusing on breathing, I actually have to be like thinking a specific word on each in breath and out breath to like, and so it's like, for me, it's like I will breathe in presence and I'll breathe out peace or something like that. You know what I mean? Because if I'm not thinking about a specific word, my mind is thinking about all of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways I have to give my mind one specific thing or two specific things to think about as I'm focused on my breathing. Mm -hmm. And that's actually helped me. Interesting. I did
1: hear a long time ago when I was struggling sleeping Uh, is like just repeat the same word over and over in your head, Hmm. and then that one word is the, because the doesn't mean anything. It's just a word that we use. So there's no like visual represent representation of it. It's just a word, and so when you're falling asleep and you're struggling, just say the, the. The, as you're breathing in and out. So, did as, you learn that at home school? Shout out to <laughs> that was my final. Shout out to mom. was my final. Shout out to mom. the, Oh, man. Duh. Um <laughs> well, uh, uh, other than floating man, is there like TV shows, books that you really enjoy in?
2: Um there are a few things that I Do you have extra time? Yeah, I was going to Yeah, I and actually it's crazy because like when When I list the things that I do, it does sound overwhelming, but I've got to say, like, I feel like Sherry and I have really worked hard to have a healthy rhythm in life, Mm. which in some ways is like, so we're, we're doing a lot, but I also feel like we're really good about making sure that our time is kind of precious to us and guarded. And so we do have time. Um, You know, we're very different. I'm an extrovert. My wife's an introvert. Mm. And so we recharge differently. We find energy different ways. Um, and so I'm not naturally a reader. She reads like, I think mean, she read like 117 books last year. Um, uh, I, oh, it's crazy. I um, go, I, I did that many pages. Yeah. Year. Boom, nailed <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm naturally not a reader, but like this year I've already finished two books this year, which is unheard oh, of for wow. me. And so I'm discovering, enjoying reading. I'm trying to at least. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, yeah, kind of pressing into that. Uh, honestly, don't watch a lot of TV, um, I feel like we, when we watch TV, I feel like we go back to, we, we always go back to the shows that we love. We go back to Arrested Development, Shits Creek, and The Office. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, I guess I could discover something new, but it's like, oh, those are cozy sweaters. Why? <laughs> Why? That's, that's the uh, thing.
1: That's, my, my wife is like, is like that. She loves The Office and just like Kyle. And yeah. so like constantly The Office is on in our house. Yep. And I'm like, have you ever tried Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I, I, tried, like, I tried that the other day. I watched For the first time? It. Yeah, I
0: watched oh. like eight episodes and I was like,
1: it's pretty good. It grows on but you. But I know, but I
0: just I go. back and, and actually, mine are uh, Parks and Rec, Office, and Arrested Development. Okay, but Arrested Development up till season. Four. Yeah, the new oh, ones. Absolutely. Yeah, like, you yes. can't watch. I just I, started. I can't over. even watch the new, nope. new nope. ones. Same. God. Sorry, guys. The scene with the dad in the prison with the ice cream sandwich. Yep. Like that's just like <laughs> one of my favorite. No touching. <laughs>
3: like <laughs> I just. I, <laughs> oh man.
0: I I watched it the other day and I was just like. This is good comedy. I, right need, to, I need to rewatch Arrested <laughs> Development. That's so good.
1: I should yeah, I don't think Alicia's watched it because she's like she found the office and then she now she just watches it all the time. Cause that's like her yep. like I love that cozy oh sweater metaphor. Yep. And so I should show her Arrested Development. I remember Office season one, I had a
0: I uh, iPod what was the one with the screen? The first one with the screen. Video. I, I think video it was an iPod video. Wow. Still had the wheel. Yes. And I went on to Kazaa and I downloaded. You the- <laughs> outlaw. <laughs> Sorry, you. FBI.
2: <laughs> Get him. Got him. Yeah, Come on in. They're at the door right now. We got him. And I
1: downloaded
0: the first like four episodes as soon as they came out. And I put them on my iPod video. And I yeah. would watch those things over and over again. That's funny. And I was like, I'd show people on my ipod video (laughs) i'm sure they love that (laughs) look at how big the screen is (laughs) and uh a lot of my friends just like didn't get it yeah they hated it
1: rest development no no the The office Office. season office
0: yeah and it was like years later
1: everybody loved the office so i mean i'm not calling myself a trailblazer i didn't (laughs) like season one yeah Yeah. i I absolutely i still we still watch it because we were like you know We'll watch it all, and then like we'll go back and keep watching it. You know, everybody does that. But like season one is still really hard for me to watch. Uh, yeah, because it wasn't like I watched it and I was like, well, some of the Not jokes for me. are
0: definitely yes, quite uh, edgy. Well, but, edgy, I love edgy. Well,
1: but it was just like cringy. Yeah. Well, yeah, Michael that's what was I mean. so it cringy in episode uh, season one.
2: Someone in season two, but then he really started becoming his own in season three. I well, I feel like the I feel like that early, especially the early part of season one, there really was the trying to
0: establish the character, establish the characters,
2: and mimic a little bit of what the British office had been, right? Which, like, if you've ever seen it, it, was like very cringe. It's like, oh gosh, yeah. And so, I feel like it was later in season one, especially season two, it's where it kind of Became its own it had like its own identity apart from being like the American version of the British Office. Right, right. you know, it kind of became its own thing. Yeah.
1: yeah, which I I love I love it now, and I love it. I did just watch the Scotts Tots oh, episode. The man. Other day.
3: so
2: <laughs> so good. <laughs> Gosh.
1: <laughs>
3: So hard oh. to
1: watch. Oh hey, Mr. Gosh. Scott, what, what you gonna, gonna do? do? What, what you I gonna do? Make, make our dreams, dreams come, come true. <laughs> true.
0: Oh man, <laughs> so I mean, good. it may be one of the worst episodes <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. ever, yeah, of a show. Like, there's just nobody, everybody knows Scott's Tots, like, yeah. as a reference of like, oh, <laughs> like it's hard oh, to watch, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I really that show I have just, an extra battery, like. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh man. Well, um, you know,
2: what what's coming up? What's next for you? What's next for us? You know, um, so we, we have our viewer cruise, which is a huge deal for us. We've been That's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's really cool because like we get to again, YouTube for us is very one-sided in that we don't get to see the faces on the other side or hear the stories. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is like six days on a Disney cruise with a couple hundred of our viewers where we get to hear like we get to know them. Um, a little bit the way they know us and we love that because that makes YouTube feel very personal. It, is it like
1: uh, a cruise worth it? Like do you like I mean I'm, I'm assuming you, you build a channel around cruises <laughs> right. but my family were, were debating on going on a cruise and some people are for it, some people yeah. are
2: against it. Uh, Like why cruises? Like, so what
1: what do you like about it? So I
2: expected to hate cruising and we actually put it off for a long time. Our first cruise was in 2015. We, I was like it's not like we've been cruising oh, for years and years. Though. No. Yeah. Uh, like my background was in hotels. And I feel like there's always been this competition between like land and sea. It's like resort <laughs> yeah. vacations are better. It's like, no, cruise vacations are better. Um, but Sherry and I went on one. Uh, we didn't know like with seasickness if she would like it. I was like, I don't know. I'd heard all the horror stories about cruises. And yeah. so we went into it pretty skeptical. The reason we like it is that a couple things. Number one, uh, my cell phone. Can only be a camera.
1: Like uh, no, internet, service.
2: no service. And it's like, again, as a phone addict, I need that. Yeah. Right. I need to be put in a place where it's like it's just a camera. They don't have like Wi-Fi on the boat. They do. And honestly, like it's becoming more available. And I sort of don't love that. Because okay. for me, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna buy the Wi-Fi package. And then I'm like, oh great. This is just what I do at now home. I'm connected. Uh, now I'm connected. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's like whereas those first few cruises, I I didn't have that. Um but not as connected as here, right? It's like still very expensive for terrible internet. Um, And the other thing that we really like, because Sherry and I are so different, we get to feel like we each get to have our own kind of vacation, but still do it together. And so for her, it's like, if she wants to just like drink adult beverages by the pool all day while reading books. Yes, please. 100%. Like, that's, that's her. That's all. That's I'm, vacation. I'm in. I'm
1: in. Yeah. yeah. Whereas,
2: like, for me, it's like, I want to do the ship tour. And then I wanted to go watch Black Panther. And then I want to, like, I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to go do, do trivia stuff. and an animation class. And I'm going to, you know, do all this stuff. Yeah. Um. And then it's like, we hook up for lunch and we get together for dinner. And, like, I hang out with her by the pool. And she'll come to an animation class with me when she wants. But there's animation. no.
1: That sounds fun. Yeah,
2: but there's no, like. We have to be together doing the same things because we're just we're different people. I do like that
1: because, uh, like uh, you know, my my family, we go on vacations. And like my brother in law really wants to go, but my my sister in law doesn't, and I'm on the fence. I'm like, I mm-hmm. don't really know. It, it, the way you just said it right now, I'm like, I could probably do that. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, room for me and Kyle to come yeah, on the viewer cruise? camera one hundred percent,
2: absolutely. Our people would love you guys. Yeah, yeah, that
1: would be fun, man. Especially Disney, because I would probably uh, go berserk. Uh, so you got the viewer cruise coming up, yeah. Um, and then you're still, I mean, you're working full time. And you have a YouTube channel, which is almost a full time job. Yeah, um, and then you're also doing a podcast with yeah. your lovely wife on top of that, um, and you're reading more. I mean, I'm I, mean, I could stop, but like, what <laughs> but else? I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you're I'm, watching Arrested Development. Going. Tell go. me more about Art. <laughs> Tell me more about Art Porterfield. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, is anything else um, like that you're excited about coming up?
2: Um, so I, we to talk about this, like I do a couple like marketing clients on the side that I've kept and like one of my clients is doing stuff at South by Southwest this year. And I'm super stoked about that. Oh, no, Just man. like get to go to Austin yeah. and like yeah. be, be, Never be in there. Love to um, and it's the weekend before our viewer cruise. So we're actually flying to new Orleans, oh. renting a car, driving to Austin together, doing the South by stuff. And then back to New Orleans for the cruise. And so it's like, for sure, and I, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, so that'll be a ton of fun. Um, and then honestly, it's just kind of work and life stuff till the summer. We have another, uh, maybe a princess cruise we might do in Alaska again this year. Oh, um, yeah. Just kind of seeing more of our state that way. That. Um, after living here so long, we wanted to, we wanted to experience Alaska the way most people do who visit our state, which is on a ship. You know, and I was like, well, I've never done that. let's Skipper I've never
1: done that see. either. No, you see it all the time when you're like in Juno or whatever. But no, I've never, I've never done that either. Um, well, Adam. We've spent a lot of your time yeah, and, and usually you're editing, uh, <laughs> but so not tonight. Cause I'm yeah. okay with not having we, a video. Exactly. We appreciate your time. Um, so where, where can people find you? Where can people find your nonprofits? Um, where can people find your YouTube channel? Yeah.
2: So pretty much all online. Um, YouTube is just leg life, L E G G L I F E. Uh, the podcast, just the leg life podcast. It's, you know, on all of the podcasting places, Uh, the nonprofit, uh, priceless Alaska on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, love Alaska, chosen Alaska. We're on all of that kind of stuff. Uh, You can find leg life on Facebook. Um, but really like YouTube is obviously that's our, like, that's our place. YouTube and Instagram. Yeah. YouTube and Instagram are the two that we really probably press into the most for sure. Yeah. It's a place to find
1: us. Well, thank you so much, man, yeah, for spending you. your night with us and talking about a lot of stuff. Uh, we really do appreciate you. We we love what you're doing. I think that's why we, we, we're excited about having guests on because, you know, we've known each other, but like kind of like digitally, but yeah. like maybe once in a while we meet up. And so this is great to like actually hear the things. And I'm actually like, holy shit. Like we're the same person. I'm, I'm going, going like, to a full right? tank tonight. Yes. I'm going, yeah. I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going to get it for, for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Like,
3: yeah.
2: Yeah. It's probably get, next Christmas. Yeah. I'll get it. For you. Yeah. It's probably still in your cart. Yeah. Just go to the I, website. Honestly, I
1: bet it is. I still have the tab probably open. Cause I was like, Oh, I need, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it when i have my wallet next time and and then i thought about it and i was like he doesn't deserve it yeah <laughs> no i was just kidding. that's probably yeah. uh well adam thank you so much man we appreciate you yeah. thanks a lot guys
2: Thanks for tuning in. Kyle and Stephen will be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, check out
1: GoFixYourselfPodcast.com. And remember to always go fix
3: yourself.